0: How y'all doing? Man, it's good to be back with you. Uh, in case you just started coming to K2 the last couple of weeks, my name is Dave Nelson. And the uh, lead pastor here was on vacation, um, got to go back to Michigan, which was para, paradise. Para. No. I, I won't even, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. No, but we were right on Lake Michigan, man, and it was, it was beautiful. And it was an awesome vacation, but it was also a very sobering time. Um, I actually left a few weeks or a, a few days uh, early because um, I had a really good friend of mine who was actually the pastor that I worked with, the first pastor when I was 22 years old. I found out three months ago that he had brain cancer. And, uh, and he had uh, surgery, though, and it was successful. But then after that surgery, they went back in and they found that it had spread to uh, four different places. And so I called him two weeks before our vacation and said, Hey, could I stop by and see you? And um, so we actually left a couple days early. I got out there Sunday. That's him. That's Rod Buchanan. And he's an awesome man. This dude lived a great life. And I was so grateful because with, he, in fact, when I called him, he said, Dave, you can come, but I don't even know if I'm going to be there. And, um, but I got there on Sunday, and he was there, and he, he was totally, his faculties were there, and we had a great time reminiscing. And then he died three days later. And uh, the dude knows what paradise is. He's not even thinking about it anymore. He's not wondering. Like the, in that song, do you catch some of those words? Life goes on. It gets so heavy. Every tear, a waterfall. And in the night, the stormy night, she closed her eyes and away'd she fly and she'd dream of paradise. But Rod knows paradise. So then we go up north and get into Michigan and my dad tells me that, um, that he wanted me and my family to go ahead and go to the graveyard and, when, and help beautify my mom's gravestone. So uh, in 1990, 23 years ago, my mom passed away. And uh, so I gathered my kids around the stone and, and just had another time of memory. And my mom lived a, a great life, man. People really loved her. And yet, again, it brought to me, again, this reality that I, we're not going to all live. You guys all know you're not going to hang down here forever? <laughs> Do you really? It's because that changes everything. And then I get home uh, and when I did see my dad, uh, he's 78 years old now, and, um, and he's had his health issues, he's had different things that he struggled with, but, but this year, uh, he looks good there, but he, this is the, he looked older. You guys, you guys have your parents getting older? You know, we're kind of, you move this stage, and I came home, and in fact, even my brother who sees him every, every month at least, just said this last time he saw him, he's, he, something's not going. He wasn't doing well. In fact, the three days we were there, he just he he had to be in his recliner most of the time, and um, we could really enjoy each other. But he couldn't do the stuff that he was used to be able to do, and in fact, he couldn't even join our reunion on the west side of the state. So, man, it was a sobering trip because this whole idea of paradise, <laughs> paradise, and dreaming about it like it becomes reality when all of a sudden the people around you start dying. anybody Anybody here seen the movie Temple Grandin? Anybody seen that movie? Okay, like three of you. I had never heard of it either. Can I just say, get out your notes, get your pen, write down Temple Grandin. It's an amazing movie. It's a true story about a gal who grew up with autism. And there's two scenes in the movie. One is this horse dies. And then later in the movie, a very influential person in her life dies. And, and each time, as soon as she walks in and she sees the dead horse or the dead, uh, the, the dead man in, that she loved, she goes, where'd they go? She walks in and she goes, where'd he go? And what was interesting, guess what the answer was in both situations? We don't know. We don't know. So can I just tell you, can I encourage you guys today? Let's see what Jesus says. In John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? See, 1 John two seventeen says, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives, what? Forever. And, and I, I just wanna tell you, do you believe this? It's like, yeah, I believe this. But I, I would say probably for the last six months, you guys, I feel like God is trying to been stirring my heart and saying, Nelson, you don't think about heaven enough. In fact, to be honest with you, I, I feel like we need to, probably next year, we'll just do a series on heaven. Do you really know what's gonna happen when you die? Do you know what happens to us and do you know what heaven's like? Do you, I mean, there are so many of us who are like, well, I know there's a heaven, but I don't know anything about it. And we're like, well, I don't wanna sit on clouds and strum harps, you know? It's, a, it's, it's, it's not a very motivating thing, and yet it should be. And so here's what we're gonna do, though. We are going to do a series called Immortal. Because what does immortal mean? You never die. Yeah, you live forever. And so the series is called Immortal, Living Like You'll Never Die. Living Like You'll Never Die. And I just want to tell you, man, once this happens, it does start to change in a couple ways. Like, when you start to believe that there's an afterlife and that this life is short, things change. So I have this picture in, in my nine years of existence here at K2. I've used this a couple times, but just one more time real quick. <clears throat> so this is a picture that I, used to play, that I took, and I used to love to place right in the heart of our living room. Now, now, can I just say, I didn't know until 10 years in our marriage that Susie hated this picture, right? So I, I love marriage. They're like, okay, are we secure enough? Can I just tell you, Dave, I don't like that picture. I don't like people walking into our living room and us giving them the finger. So... Um, So, but here's what this really is. In Michigan, there are sand dunes that just go on for miles. And I had a friend say to me, next time you go, lick your little finger, stick it in the sand, wipe off all of them but one grain, and then hold it up and look at the miles of sand. And so I had Susie do that. This is her little finger. It's not her middle finger, little finger. And there's just, I know you can't see it, but there's a tiny little white speck on the tip of her finger. And I took that picture, and this became our reminder to me that eternity is huge. And you're going to live forever, which is a lot longer than 78 years. And so it should actually make an impact on what we live for and what we're all about. But here's the other thing, you guys. What's crazy is you don't actually just believe that there's a heaven? There's a lot of people who believe. I mean, I don't even know if we actually surveyed America, how many people would say, I should have looked that up. How many people would say they believe there's a heaven? But there's a difference between believing it, now check this out, and receiving it. Receiving what? Well, John three sixteen. right? This is a classic verse for Christianity. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. Now what does it mean to have something? It means you possess it. You've got it. And so here's the cool thing. When I put my faith in Christ, guess what happened? I received eternal life. I actually have it right now. Is that not cool? See, it is. It's really cool. And here's what's crazy about it. Like, what? You're going to die, Nelson. Well, I know I am. But John 17:3, Jesus says this. This is eternal life. That you know the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. You know what eternal life is, guys? You know what the gospel is, which just means the best news in all the world? You know what the best news is? The gospel message is a life can be reconciled to God, can be filled with the spirit of God, all through the work of Jesus Christ. And you can actually, your life right now, right now. I know that I have received eternal life. Because God's spirit has come into my life. And so look at this verse. This is crazy. 2 Timothy 1.10, it says this. The grace of God that saves us has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, and he has destroyed death. And here's our phrase for today. Right? Look at this. And he has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. See, when your life gets reconciled to God and all of a sudden your eyes get opened, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a God and his spirit gets inside of you. One of the things that happens is life comes to light. In other words, we're all searching down here. Everybody's searching. What's this about? What should I do with my life? What should I give it to? What really matters? And so we seek after money and we seek after jobs and we go, my wife, I need to get married. No, that didn't work. Okay, what is it? What will give it to me? And God's going, can I turn on the light to life? Once you get God inside your heart, all of a sudden he turns on the light and you go, this is what life is about. This is what's right. This is what's good. This is... You find your purpose. But not only does life come to light, what else comes to light? Immortality comes to light. And now all of a sudden, you know at the depth of your being, I'm going to live forever even though I die I will live and I tell you what you guys when that happens to a human being things change so what we're going to do is we're going to go through this book called Thessalonians okay first Thessalonians and it's a book that Paul wrote to a church and he said listen you guys I want you guys to understand because you're an awesome church And I feel the same way about K2. You guys are an awesome church, but guess what? If you could even come to grasp more your reality, that you're here for a very short period of time, if you knew that you were really immortal, then would you start living like you'll never die? And so many of us right now, we're so living, like I got 78 years and that's it, and I gotta make this work. And this is what I'm all about. And then we're gonna spend eternity going, why in the world did I spend all my time on that? It'll change us, and it's, and it's awesome. And so that's what we're going to do. So before I jump into that, can I just pray? Let's just pray right now, and let's ask God to start awakening us to our reality that we're going to live forever, all right? Lord Jesus, come in these minutes and move, help me to grasp, to communicate clearly, um, and may you move our hearts to our reality. That once we believe in you, once we put our faith in you, we receive you. And when that happens, God, we get eternal life. Lord, would you help us today to start thinking about what it means to live really like we're never gonna die. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, this book, Thessalonians, you guys, it's it's a... it was a letter written to a church that started in a town called Thessalonica, all right? And um, let me, just a few things about the city because it's kind of interesting. It was the largest and most important city in the Roman province of Macedonia. So there's a map here of it. Thessalonica is still there today. So Athens is the most prominent city, obviously. But Thessalonica is the second. There were 250,000 people. Even in this time in Paul's life, there's about 800,000 people who live there today. Um, it's a major seaport. So there were tons of people coming to the city and travelers would come in. But also, the Roman Empire here is on the left side. okay? So Rome, that's Italy, just peeking in. Italy's right over there. And in, during the Roman Empire, obviously they came all the way into Turkey, way beyond here. And there was this one major road called the Ignatian Way. And the Ignatian Way actually went through Thessalonica. In fact, you can go out and throw this picture up of this ark um the ark over the that's the actual ark (laughs) over ignatian way that's still there today that's a modern day photo in thessalonica all right now if you if you want so you understand this is a very important city this is how rome everybody traveled through this place to get to where they were going and what you'll see if you if you guys are into this kind of stuff go ahead and read acts chapter 16 and 17 and it will tell you how this church started it's a great little story but one of the things you find is this church started, because it was such a metropolis, there were so many different cultures, that there were so many different beliefs, that there was a lot of persecution when this church started to start following this new God, Jesus. And so Paul writes this letter to the Thessalonians just to tell them and to encourage them. And say, and, and I'm going to read just the first part of it here, but he, basically he wants to encourage them to say, you guys, you have a chance to change the world. And that's what we're going to talk about today. The impact that happens once you know you're not going to die, it changes you, and then you end up changing the world. And that's what this whole letter is about. He's encouraging them, don't forget, and don't, and keep living like you're never going to die. It's worth it now, and believe me, it will be worth it forever. And that's what we're going to do, all right? So today, impact, if you have your Bibles, open up to 1 Thessalonians. And by the way, if you don't normally read the Bible, this would be a great time to do it. It's a short little book. There's only five chapters. And just read it with us through the summer as we go through this. Uh, Pull it up on your phone. It's also right up here. Here we go. Paul, Silas, and Timothy. To the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work that's produced by faith, your labor that's prompted by love, and your endurance that's inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but it also it came with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. We became imitators of us and for the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you. Not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Because they themselves report what kind of reception that you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Guys, say, like for years, whenever I've read this, I love this little piece because it's Paul writing to a church, to a group of people just like you, and he's saying, You guys rock. You're doing it. The whole world knows about you because of your faith. Everybody's saying stuff about you. Because why? Because when the gospel came, it actually impacted you. So here's what we're going to do. In our short time that I have left, we're going to look at three things, all right? How the gospel actually makes an impact on us. Once you know and have received that you're going to live forever, it impacts you. Secondly, how does the gospel make an impact through us? And then the last thing Paul says, and how does the gospel never stop making an impact? All right? So here's the first one. How does the gospel make an impact on us? The first one way, you guys, is you have to receive it. It makes an impact because you receive it. Look at verse 6. He goes, You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And verse 9 for they themselves, all these people, are reporting what kind of reception you gave us. It's really fun, these words, welcome, right? If you, I don't know about you, but I think welcome. I just have a welcome mat, right, in front of your door. And the word, re, the reception, that word literally means an entrance. So you know what Paul was saying his here? You know why there was an impact of the gospel? Because you basically flung open the door and said, come on in. You actually flung it open and said, come on in. Now, can I ask you guys, how many of you have had solicitors come to your home? Anybody have those? Yeah. How many of you fling open the door? I I mean, I don't know about you. We have a big picture window in the front of our house. If I'm walking by and I see someone outside with a clipboard and a a lanyard around their net, what do you do? Yeah, you hide, right? (laughs) I mean, you tell all your kids, don't answer the door, right? If you're unlucky and you don't see them and they knock on the door and you open it up, you're like, crap, right? And I stand right in the doorway. Is that what you guys do? Because you're not getting by here. You're not doing that. Because you know if you actually let them in, it's going to totally change your day, isn't it? What's that vacuum cleaner? Yeah, the Kirby. How many of you let the Kirby guy in to your home? You know, it changed your life, didn't it? Now, maybe some of you, yes, because the Kirby is awesome. I don't know. But here's what I know is it'll change everything if you actually welcome someone in. Now, uh, a couple months ago, my wife Susie was talking to an organization doing a, a, a check for someone about a foreign exchange students, and at the end of the conversation, they asked Susie, it's like, hey, would you guys ever be interested in having a foreign exchange student? And she's like, oh, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, let me talk to my husband. Um, I don't have time, it's a great story, but um, it's a neat idea. Have you guys ever thought about having a foreign exchange student? Go, That'd be kind of fun, wouldn't it? That'd be pretty cool. You know, it's really different thinking that would be a really cool idea and then signing your name and knowing that on August 17th, in less than a month, we're getting Lynn Geis from Germany, who's going to live with us for a year. (laughs) That's going to change everything. Here's, you know that. Here's all of you in this room who go to church and if someone said, asked you, are you a Christian? And you would say, yes. Can I ask you a question? Has it changed everything about the way you live your life? I, I see some of you, and I know it has. Some of you are nodding, and you should, because it's changed your life. And here's what Paul's saying. It will impact you if you welcome it. And some of us, I just want to ask you, some of you right now, it's like you're, you've been coming to church, and you're doing the kind of semi-like God thing, right? But you, I just want to say, how's the door of your heart? And some of you right now, it's like, you got it like, you're sneak peeking it open. I'm telling you, fling it open. Let the message come in. Let the Holy Spirit of God come in, and it will change everything. So, and that's what verse 5 says, right? Our gospel came to you. It came to you. You welcomed it. And it came not with just words. It came with power, with the Holy Spirit. And with deep conviction. You know what power means? It means it does something. That's all the word means. At its core, power makes it move. It just does it. And, and so, if you receive power and if you receive the very Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, and you have deep conviction about something, are you gonna be the same? There's no way. And I just wanna encourage all of you in this room who are on a spiritual journey and you're looking for a change. The gospel will change you. It really will. But oh, not if you'll just take the words. You actually have to let it come in. You have to welcome it. Come on in, God. Come on in, Holy Spirit. And I just know some of you, again, I just want to encourage you. I think you've heard it. I think you might even intellectually think it might be true. But you got to let it in, man. Because once it does, it'll change your life. And how? Very quickly, the next thing he says, "How's the gospel impact us? Two things happen. He goes, everybody's saying, these guys turned from idols, and now they serve God. Look at the verse, verse 9. They tell how you turn to God from idols and that you now serve the living God. And that's just what happens. And I just think there, and I go, well, why? You know, now here's what's interesting. Thessalonica, you guys, was 50 miles from Mount Olympus. Anybody remember who, who lived on Mount Olympus? Yeah, all uh, the Greek gods. That's where the Greek gods were. So when they turned from the idols, what they were turning from were all the Greek gods. So basically what they were doing was they were turning away from the idols of their culture and they were living in a different way. Now they were serving this one true God and because it was such a radical change, everybody was going, they just, they knew it. They just, their lives were completely different. And, and I just think, and I go, now, why does that happen? So here in America, right, like, what would be our American idol? And, and that doesn't mean you, you all of a sudden start watching The Voice, you know. But if you turned from American idols, what would you be turning from? Money. Money. And what? Materialism. Materialism. What's that? Drugs. Drugs. TV. Sports. Yeah, don't say sports. <laughs> No, and you know what's wild is, and at the heart of all of those things, all of those things is, the American idol at its core is, you guys, is you do whatever makes you happy. And you know there's this great verse, 2 Corinthians 5.15, it says, Jesus Christ died so that those who live would no longer live for themselves. And what happened here in Thessalonia? is everybody was like, oh my gosh, these guys don't live for the cultural idols anymore. They're serving this one God. Can I just ask you, Christian, would somebody say that about you? Would somebody just know, because of the way you live your life, that the gospel's actually had an impact on you? Because you just don't live the way you used to live anymore. You actually turned, and you're living for something greater. And And then I stop and I think, now why in the world would you do that? Well, because now I finally realize... I'm living forever, right? How many of you maybe went to a vacation somewhere and you loved that spot? And when you loved that spot, did you you didn't take all your materials and your possessions your house and try to move it to that spot because you knew you were only going to be there for a week. Wouldn't that be stupid? That'd be really stupid to go on vacation and go, this is such a cool place. I need to put all my investment in here. No, you go on vacation, it's cool, but you leave what really matters because you're going home. And what the Bible tells us is once you receive Christ, you're a citizen of heaven. And because you know, then what am I going to live for? Am I going to put all my life into what matters on this world? And yet this is the challenge for all of us, me included. How much time, how much energy, how much resource goes to the things of this planet that's going to be gone like this? The Bible tells us your life is a vapor. It's a speck of sand compared to eternity. Or are you investing your life in what matters forever? Have you turned away from the ways of this world saying, live for you, live for now, and are you serving the living God? All he's saying is, if you've really actually welcomed in the gospel, the Holy Spirit will do that in you because now you know you live forever. So, the gospel impacts us. And then really quickly, what's happening then? Well, now the gospel impacts through us that's what happens. When, God, when you start living like this, you guys, it impacts all the people around you. All right. In verses 6 and 7, well, there's two ways that the gospel will impact through us. The first way is, he says, you're going to be an example to believers. And, and here it is, verse 6 and 7. He says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so... You became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Now, here's this one church just started in Thessalonia, And Paul says, you become a model to all the believers. Macedonia is all of northern Greece, and, and Achaia is all of southern Greece. And, and what's crazy, and so we sit there, and the first thing he says is, you're going to be an example. And can I just ask you guys, how many of you, if you're a follower of Christ, you've actually seen your life actually change and you've become something that's a little bit more like Jesus because you saw an example in somebody else. Okay. See, that's how God does it. Do you understand? Your life, your life is meant to be an example. And I I just thought of all these people, like when I was in college, when I first gave my life to Christ and I was totally sold out to him, it was this girl, Lori Orchard. And I, she was cute. So I started hanging out with her and the next thing you know, every time I was with Lori, she always was serving somebody else. And, I, and, and, and here's what happened. I saw in Lori the example that I learned this. The gospel, receiving Christ, is never, never just for yourself. That once you receive the gospel of Christ, it's the Holy Spirit fills you up so he can flow out of you and so he can bless other people. And Lori's example changed my life. I think I'm in ministry today initially, because I saw an example of somebody who did that. You know, my my, uh, pastor I worked with back in in Detroit, the example he set for me was, he is the most open-handed person I've ever seen in my life. Whatever is his, is everybody's. It's crazy. And I grew up, we didn't make much money in my house, so if I had something, it was what? Mine. Mine. (laughs) And so in here, and then I meet Steve, and it's like, Hey, dude, yeah, you need my car. Why don't you do it? You need some clothes? You need this. You know, he's just giving his stuff away. In fact, that's how he leads his church. In fact, it's partly why we at K2 long to be open to new churches coming in and partnerships with other churches, because I saw an example of a guy who was free of having to live for himself, and he was generous in everything he had. I needed that example. Man, I've seen examples here, haven't you guys? Like, you guys know John and Melody Anderson, I mean, John and Melody Anderson, those dudes serve, like, everybody. And they love doing it. It's hard not to be around them and say, man, I want to live like that. You know, Jason and Russ, who started this new thing at the, the street crew downtown, working with our homeless people that we love. I mean, there have been so many people, and here's what I've said. It's like they're going, now that's how it should be done. There's an example that we're following. The Demiglios, who are sitting over on the other box. Their house, just isn't their house. I tell you, man, there's always somebody staying at the Domingo home, always, because they just let people in. Mary Goldring and Gwen Smith, man, they just love everybody, right? And when I'm with these people, it gives me an example. And so, guys, here's what's supposed to be happening. We should be spurring each other on. Whose life is your example spurring on? Who's looking at you and saying, oh, my gosh, you turned away from idols, and you serve the living God. Now, we all do it in different ways, right? But who are you inspiring? If you've received God and you know that you're going to you start living like you're never going to die, you'll be an example. And here's the second thing not only are you going to be an example to believers, you're going to be a witness to the world. Verse 8 The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. So, the Lord's message, this beautiful message that you can be reconciled to God have the Spirit of God inside of you through a free work that Jesus does for you. You don't have to earn it. He goes, that message rang out from you. And that's the word for like a trumpet blast. It's, a, it's the bell, it's the chime. And it rang out from you, not only in Macedonia, Macedonia and Achaia. Now, and I love this, not only there. That would be like us saying, hey, K2, your message has not only rung out and rung the whole United States, which that would be pretty crazy. He goes, but what's he say? Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Crazy. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. Let me, Now, throw up this next verse, verse 8. I'm gonna, this is another uh, translation of it, and it's actually more directly connected to the original Greek language. Look at this. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place... That your faith toward God has gone forth. The message rang out from you every place that your faith toward God went forth. And so here's, here's what he's saying, you guys is, wherever you actually have faith in God and you're living it out, the message is going to get there. And, and, I, and I know this. Like that means in my home, in my home, there, the message rings out, and my kids get a chance to hear it. in your neighborhood. In your workplace, in your school. When I think about K2, you guys, how does the message, how do all of us now together as a church, how does our message ring out? Where does it ring out? Can I tell you one place where it rings out? That's South Salt Lake, isn't it? South Salt Lake, right here where we are, the message has rang out. In fact, um, and this is something I'll get to here in just a minute, but when we've been looking for new property, you know what was so cool? The city, South Salt Lake, called us in, put a map on the table and tried to help us to find properties in this city because they didn't want us to leave. Is that cool? I remember I heard a guy one time say, if your church suddenly ceased to exist, would your city even notice? And you know what we can finally say? Yes, they would notice. See, the message is ringing out. In fact, so just a reminder, right? This Saturday, we're doing it again, and we're going to be serving South Salt Lake, and I'll, I'll mention more about that at the end, but it's another chance. Right now, in the air, is our team coming back from Swaziland, right? And I don't know about you, if any Facebook people, if you saw the pictures, I mean, I just like, why am I not there? <laughs> you know, I hated it. But here's what's cool. The message is ringing out all the way around the world the Swaziland. And kids' lives are having a chance to be changed forever. See, this is what happens. It's what goes on, you guys. And here's what's so cool. So remember, Thessalonica was on the Ignatian Way, very strategic, and it was a seaport. So God says, we're going to start a church here. You know why? Because it's going to go everywhere. And, and can I just share with you something I'd love for you to be praying about? So at K2, we've been looking for a while, and we are going hardcore right now looking for our next home. And where does God want to put K2 the church so that his message can ring out all over the place? All over the Salt Lake Valley. So that we can actually say, you guys, there's the greatest message in the world. And our lives together, because we are living like we're never going to die, the gospel impacts us, we follow Christ, and we ring out his message everywhere. And I'm telling you, this this is God's plan. And it's a great plan. And then just really quickly, the last thing he says is the gospel, the gospel never stops making an impact. And and why not? Why does the gospel never stop making an impact? anybody anybody know somebody who at one time was really excited about a Christ and isn't anymore? anybody know people like that? Okay, it happens all the time. And I I just think now why is that? And let me ask you this: anybody in this room that's tried to follow Christ is it hard? Yes. Yeah. This the, you know why it's hard. Because everything around us and within us fights it. My, I wake up every morning, and I still think about me. Don't you? See, I'm serious. Right now, every morning, I am asking God to, this might sound weird, but I, I am asking God, kill me. This, my flesh, the selfish thing inside of me, is there still every day. And so, and you know what? When that selfish person starts creeping up, it makes you not want to follow them anymore. And then, I know the world around us really encourages it a lot, doesn't it? (laughs) Everything in the world says that living like this, living for others and not yourself, is a joke. Living for eternity, there's no eternity. So the world's totally against us. And then you have the spiritual enemy who just lies to you constantly. And so it's hard. And what does Paul say here? How in the world are we not going to stop? In verse 3 he says, We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9 and 10, he says, they tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and you turned to wait for his son from heaven. Yes, you know why we don't stop? And this is what we have to do. We've got to encourage each each other and remind each other, this isn't my home. I've got endurance. I'm never going to stop because I know where I'm going. I know I'm immortal. I know when I die, I'm going to live. And I'm going to never stop investing in what matters for eternity's sake. And if that happens, it will change how you live and you'll be free to start impacting the world. And someday you and I will be in heaven together forever with all the people who got to hear the message ring out from us, who got to see it because they saw an example. There's a life that's free. There's a life that's full. There's a life of purpose. There's a life that connected me to God. And can I just challenge you, all of you, all of you in this room, don't ever, ever stop believing that you are going to live forever. If you believe and you have brought Christ in, you and I are a church filled with the Spirit of God. And if we live like we'll never die, then we can change everything around us. All right? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for this reminder because all of us are constantly searching to figure out what this life's about and what this is for. And we're challenged every day. God, even for those of us who believe in you and believe there is a heaven, God, we're so challenged to stay on that path. Would you encourage us through these next weeks to really live like we're never going to die? God, help us to always allow the gospel to make an impact on us and help us to believe it so deeply that it changes the way we live and we impact everywhere, everyone around us. We thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you in this world that's hard, that's tough, that's temporary, that we can know that there's something eternal. And we thank you that through Christ we have it already. So Lord, help K2 the church to be a church like the one in Thessalonica, A church where the message rings out everywhere. A church that is an example to believers everywhere. Because we are radically living for you and for what really matters. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen.